more like unnatural killer cells, am I right? Welcome to Oncophone. I'm your host, John Bazaar. I'm an associate professor of pharmacy practice here at the supporting sponsor of Oncofarm, the Bill Gadden College of Pharmacy. It is a rainy, rainy day here in Mount Home, Tennessee. Uh, you know, when people ask me, uh, why oncology? One of the things I always say is we've got the coolest drugs. So today we're, we're going to talk about one of these new cool drugs, quote unquote, uh, not FDA approved yet. We're talking about CAR-NK. It's talking about this uh, paper uh, called Use of CAR-Transduced Natural Killer Cells in CD19-Positive Lymphoid Tumors, published last week on February 6, 2020, in the New England Journal of Medicine by uh, Enli Liu and colleagues. Um, first of all, what are we going to call this? CAR-NK? Now, this is not CAR-T, chimeric antigen receptor T-cells. This is CAR-NK. That's three syllables. Nobody's got time for that in oncology. We're going to call it CAR-NIC. That's two syllables. Karnak, like the old Johnny Carson character. Uh, I'm not sure what we'll call this eventually, uh, but for I'm going to say Car NK. It's a podcast. We got time. If you don't have time, you can listen to it at one and a half speed. So here's the big picture takeaway. Uh, there are 11 patients with relapsed refractory CD19 positive cancers. So this was not these were non-Hodgkin's lymphomas uh, or CLL, and they received one dose of CAR-NK, they did get some chemo beforehand, some lymphocyte-depleting chemo with fludarabine and cyclophosphamide. Now, the CAR-NK cells uh, were derived from umbilical cord blood. They were not fully HLA-matched. Uh, they were given a dose, and then when, within one month, eight of the 11 patients had a response. Seven of those 11 patients had a complete response. And notably, there was no cytokine release syndrome, no neurotoxicity, which is what we really worry about with chimeric antigen receptor T-cell therapy. Uh, and because there was some contamination, some minor, uh, some, some T-cells, some allogeneic T-cells in the product, there was concern of graft-versus-host disease. No graft-versus-host disease either. And these happened pretty quickly. So pretty amazing. Uh, and that, of course, will get you a New, New England Journal of Medicine publication. Uh, so let's take a step back. Uh, you're probably familiar with, you know, uh, B-cells and T-cells and CD4-positive T-cells and CD8-positive T-cells. But let's talk a little bit about natural killer cells. Uh, they were originally called large granular lymphocytes. They are on the lymphoid line. Uh, they were called natural in natural killer cells uh, because it was thought that they were always active. Um, but we do now know that in the presence of certain cytokines that their killing uh, effectiveness is, is increased. Uh, and natural killer, natural killer cells play a big role in fighting intracellular infections, i.e. viruses. Uh, but they differ from cytotoxic T cells. So this sounds a lot like CD8 positive T cells. That's what they do is they survey our cells looking for neoantigens from viruses or from, from tumors. So it's different about natural killer cells from CD8 positive T cells. Well, natural killer cells do not require binding to MHC1. So all of our cells in the body that have a nucleus express MHC1 and that presents antigens. And if a CD8 positive T cell sees that antigen and it identifies it as a self-antigen, Nothing happens. There's a negative inhibition. There's an inhibition that prevents the killing of that cell. Now, if that CD8 positive T cell recognizes um, that antigen as non-self because it's uh, a partially modified antigen because the, there's a, a mutation in the DNA that's producing an oncogene or something, and that neoantigen is presented by MHC1 on, say, a breast cell, a CD8 positive effector T cell will kill it. 
Natural killer cells are different. They do not bind to MHC1. Uh, and this is useful because some viruses, when they affect a cell, they downregulate expression of MHC1 so they can hide from the immune system. Natural killer cells can kill them. And of course, cancers can probably do that as well. So uh, I guess because uh, they don't have any MHC1 expression, uh, you could take natural killer cells from an allogeneic source, a non-self source, so not autologous, but from like umbilical cord blood, and it can be given without HLA matching. So that's what they did is they only matched these folks at four of six. Um, uh, so this is how the process went. So they harvest the natural killer cells uh, from umbilical cord blood. Then they transduce certain genes, and they use a retrovirus. They engineer this virus. Of course, a virus goes into a cell, inserts its own DNA, the virus DNA, in the cell uh, genome, and then that produces new genes. Well, the genes they transduced were a CD19 chimeric antigen receptor. That's how the natural killer cells would then uh, go in and find CD19 positive cells, including on the cancer. Interleukin-15 as well, and that's to increase the expansion of the CAR-NK cells once they uh, are given to the patient. And then this is really cool, an inducible caspase-9 gene. So caspase-9 is the starting product or starting part of apoptosis. Um, so, and the nice thing about apoptosis, if this were to happen, is it's, it's not a lytic cell death, so you wouldn't have a big lysis of all these cytokines or anything like that, although natural killer cells don't release a whole lot of cytokines. So, caspase-9, it's inducible, so th they have a gene that encodes for this protein that's sort of like caspase-9, but it's got a key, and you can turn that key on, and that key is uh, remedisu, I can't say this, remed Remedusicid? I don't know. It's also known as AP1903, which I'll say. AP1903, which is a tacrolimus analog that has a much lower binding affinity for a type of FK binding protein. And that type of FK binding protein is engineered and is encoded with, it appears, with this caspase 9. So you have this caspase 9 that has a key, and the key is this drug, AP1903. Uh, Medisubib, R-I-M-I-D-U-C-I-D. That's how you spell it. I can't even say it. AP-1903. So what happens is, if for some reason there was rampant NK or CAR-NK toxicity, you could give patients AP-1903, and the key would go in and turn on caspase-9, and that would then signal programmed cell death or apoptosis of our CAR-NK cells. It's a little bit like the... Um, like the the self detonator switch on like some device in a James Bond movie, you know, like where he gets a message and it's like this message will self destruct. That's you know giving AP nineteen three will cause the car C's car NK cells to self destruct. Again, the coolest drugs uh, in oncology. So the way this went down, they got uh, fludarabine at three hundred milligrams per meter squared, uh, cyclophosphamide three hundred milligrams per meter squared, three doses of each for three days, and then they got one dose of CAR-NK cells at one of three doses, one times 10 to the fifth, one times 10 to the sixth, or one times 10 to the seventh cells. Although one patient got 0.25 times 10 to the sixth cells because they had insufficient cells in, in preparing that. Uh, all of the patients, they're about 60 years of age, 60 to 66. Uh, there was one who was 47, one who was 70, but they're all around 60. Two had diffuse large B-cell lymphoma, four follicular lymphoma, five with CLL, uh, including one that had the Richter's transformation. Uh, nine of the 11 had an HLA four out of six mismatch 
on the cord blood. And because they didn't see any signs of, of graft-versus-host disease or any problems, uh, one of the patients only had a 1 out of 6 HLA matching and one only had a 2 out of 6 HLA matching. Now, originally, they enrolled 15 patients, and I've said that only four received the drug. So here's what happened to the other four patients. One uh, had experienced disease progression before the, like, this could happen, and this is an issue that we've heard about with CAR-T, that patients can have disease progression or even die before they're able to get uh, their CAR-T drug. And apparently, this whole process, if you look in the supplement appendix of producing or manufacturing the CAR-NK, takes 15 days. One patient experienced graft-versus-host disease. This is a little puzzling because uh, these patients, um, when you read their description, they had you know three to 11 lines of treatment in the past as a range, but it's not mentioned that some of them may have had an allogeneic stem cell transplant. So if one of these patients had a, a graft-versus-host disease event, it's possible that they also could have had uh, some efficacy of that prior allo treatment. Uh, one... Uh, couldn't get the drug because they had an absence of detectable disease, so whatever happened before enrollment in the study was still working, which makes you gives you some pause in interpreting the efficacy results. And then one uh, couldn't receive the drug because that person's product was contaminated with bacteria. Yeah. All right. So, so again, I, I mentioned the results here: seven out of eleven with response, uh, with a part complete response, and eight out of eleven with a partial response or with any response. Uh, no episodes of cytokine release syndrome, no neurotoxicity, no graft-versus-host disease, no tumor lysis syndrome. Uh, there was, quote, transient reversible myelosuppression. Uh, it's called severe in other places, and it's mentioned a couple times that we cannot tell if the CAR-NK made the myelosuppression worse. Uh, of course, there was no control, um, but it seems like you could describe the degree of myelosuppression. You could say you know, the time to nadir, the time to ANC recovery, the time to platelet count recovery. They didn't do that, which makes me think, if you don't say it, that there probably was added myelosuppression that we don't know about uh, that's not described in here. Uh, there was B-cell aplasia, which we do see with CAR T-cells. Of course, CD19 is expressed on both some malignant B-cell populations and, and native or normal B-cell populations. Now, of the 11 patients in the study, nine did not have circulating B-cells because of prior lymphocyte-depleting therapy or B-cell-depleting therapy. So the two patients who did have B-cells experienced B-cell aplasia, and it didn't come back unless the disease came back. Um, so it's hard to test. We know the response. is 8 out of 11, complete response, is 7 out of 11. But a big question is how long did that response last, the duration of response? And now we had a medium follow-up of 2 to to 20 months, I think the median follow-up was 13 months, but we don't know the duration of response because many of these patients went away to post-remission therapy, which by protocol they could do after month at uh, the physician uh, discretion. So five of these had post-CAR-NK treatment. Uh, for example, one patient with CLL had uh, mi minimum residual disease positivity and started uh, rituximab, like maintenance rituximab. Uh, one was in complete remission with follicular lymphoma and then got hematopoietic stem cell transplant. So any, we don't know the, the lasting benefit of, uh, the lasting efficacy of CAR and K. We do know that these CAR and K cells, once they're infused, they rapidly expand within days, and that CAR and K, this, this allogeneic CAR and K population persists for up to 12 months in these patients, and it does appear the more drug you give, maybe the, uh, the higher uh, CAR and K that you get, but, but it does expand rapidly. So some of the, the big picture takeaways here, let's talk about the promises, not the promises, because it's not uh, the promising aspects, I should say. Uh, one, uh, CAR and K quote worked. Uh, and when I say worked, I mean it was active. The, the disease went down. Now, of course, 
this could be muddied by whatever preceding treatment they had. Uh, and there's a clue to that since one patient had their disease apparently disappear before they enrolled. Or maybe they just did not have, they expected the disease to, to appear and it didn't. It's a little, it's a little fuzzy. Um, it appeared to be safe. So there was no episodes of cytokine release syndrome. And uh, the theory here is that natural killer cells uh, secrete less IL-6 than T cells. And IL-6 is the, what we uh, assume to be the cause of the cytokine release syndrome and neurotoxicity um, as evidenced by the fact that IL-6 levels shoot up after CAR-T and we give IL-6 antagonists uh, to treat the cytokine release syndrome. There was no graft versus host disease because when you're harvesting these natural killer cells, uh, you're going to get some T cells as well that, go, uh, that are uh, then transfused back. Uh, it's an allogenic product. So you don't have to get the patient's own white blood cells like you do in CAR-T. Uh, so it eliminates that one step uh, in the manufacturing process. Uh, and core blood, umbilical cord blood can be readily available. Uh, and it appears a little bit more efficient than CAR-T in that the authors state that they can produce 100 doses of CAR-NK from one unit of cord blood. Now here are the unknowns. Does it work with regards to uh, having a durable response? We don't know. Uh, how additive is the myelosuppression? I am assuming that there is additive myelosuppression. I don't know that. We don't know that. We can't prove that. But just the way the paper is written makes me suspect there's a strong likelihood that there is additive myelosuppression. And there were some hints at production issues. Uh, you know, there's the bacterial contamination in one patient that precluded them from going on study. There was one patient who received, uh, you know, a, a fraction of the cells that uh, was intended due to, uh, you know, an insufficient uh, manufacturing process in getting the cells that they wanted. But again, cool, cool stuff, really exciting. Uh, CAR-NK or CAR-NIC, CAR-NAC, whatever uh, the people that decide these things are going to call it. I have to wait till I hear somebody else smarter than me uh, say it at a national meeting. Now, you may be asking, John, this is 11 patients. It's like a phase one study, MD Anderson. Wh wh why this is not ready for prime time? Why are you talking about this? Besides the fact that it's cool. Well, you might have patients who have the means to travel to a big center like this, whether it's MD Anderson or some other place that's developing CAR and K products. Uh, and it certainly is worth exploring. And that's a big thing when you're taking care of patients uh, is when there is no best option that you have at your hands to treat them, is there a clinical trial that appears promising? And CAR and K certainly appears promising for CD19 positive diseases. Um, and what we have here are non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and CLL. Now, of course, certain B cell ALLs also express CD19, uh, but that has not been studied, uh, at least in these patients. So whether or not they would be candidates for something like this uh, is unknown, but uh, you know, if there is a study that is open to those patients and they don't have any options, uh, that might be something to, to think about. Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, if you have got questions, uh, ideas for, for episodes, feel free to, to uh, message me. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at FarmDeetNip. You can follow the podcast at OncoFarmPod, uh, as well as on Instagram at OncoFarmPod. I've got, you know, like a, a current uh, pharmacy resident wants to, to, to hear about uh, endpoints in oncology uh, studies. Uh, so we'll do that uh, probably uh, later in this uh, academic year as, as PGY1 residents are transitioning into PGY2 in oncology if you're doing that to kind of get you prepared for that. So look for that down the road. Uh, and until I talk to you again, remember, doses matter. Thank you.